You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Fired Up Broncos podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm your host, as always, Zach Seegers. Find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Seegers. That's Z-A-C-H underscore S-E-G-A-R-S. And today on the show, I have Robbie Davis, also known as Robert Davis, um, at Davis Breakdowns on Twitter. Uh, also find him there over at his uh, Substack blog and his YouTube channel, which you can find in the bio of his Twitter. Um, had him on to join me and preview Broncos training camp, which is uh, uh, starting this week. Um, I can't recommend this guy's insight enough. Make sure you're following him. A, a real, real smart football mind um, up and coming in the Denver market. Uh, and he was very generous with his time. So without further ado, let's get right into that. And now I'm here with Robert Davis uh, at Davis Breakdowns on Twitter. Um, f- follow him at his uh, uh, blog over there, link in his bio. Um, and now on YouTube, you've got a YouTube channel you're starting up. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you again for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. I think, uh, uh, and and for those who aren't familiar with Robert's work, just incredible. Um, I'm sorry, I, I feel like I should ask this. I, that's why I'm being hesitant. Do you prefer Robbie or Robert? It, it's either way. It's up All to right, you. All right. Well, uh, uh, sorry, I know you as Robbie. I, I I hope you don't mind yeah. me calling you. No, um, that's totally fine. <laughs> Uh, but for those of you who aren't familiar with Robbie's work, make sure you go follow him. I mean, one of the brightest up and coming uh, uh writing minds um there's reasons he he goes back and forth with a lot of the big names on twitter he is a a smart 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 football mind who breaks things down at a, a frankly higher level than i understand the game at um helped me out on a judy feature i did for the magazine um it is a a, a disservice that you weren't working for a big publication yet <laughs> and i hope that changes very soon i'm trying my best to change it but <laughs> Uh, uh, of course, man. Um, but let's get things underway. I want to know what your thoughts, um, are on this, uh, lock Teddy Bridgewater competition. Cause that's the, the talk of town in Broncos country, right? Now. Right. It's the main storyline going on with the team. And with me, it's just best man wins. You know, I, I just, I just hope that it's a fair 50-50 as Vic is explaining it in the media. I hope it is as 50-50 as he's portraying. I hope there's no, you know, hidden sentiment going on behind the scenes. But regardless, I just hope best man wins. Yeah, 100%. I think that's what it's all about. And I think the hope, understandably, even someone who maybe doesn't see it as a, a likelihood, is that Drew Locke is that better player just simply because he has the upside and, and Teddy Bridgewater's kind of um, a known commodity uh, outside of maybe your rooting interest. Who do you think um, wins this competition when it's all said and done starting week one, not for the whole season, but right. week one, who's the starter? I mean, it's tough to reject because if we see the lock that we saw last year, then Teddy's going to take it and run with it. But if we see the lock that we hope 
we get with continuity at offensive coordinator and head coach and the whole offensive system, then it might as well be lock. And me personally, I would rather it be lock because again, like you said, with Teddy, we know what we're getting with him. But with Locke, there's that untapped potential, whatever it may be, that we don't know yet. It, he could make the jump. That's that hidden tapped potential that he does not have yet, that we don't know, I should rather say. We don't know yet. So to me personally, I just want it to be Locke so we could have the chance to see that. If it's Teddy, in my opinion, I don't see this team contending for a title. We'll probably make the playoffs. As a wild card fringe team, maybe get a win here, but I don't think that's really moving the needle with the roster that we have now. We have, we've got a lot of good guys coming up to the end of their contracts here, and a lot of guys going in their contract year. Yeah, no, that's a major problem I think going forward. You know, you do have a lot of young talent, but you know, eventually that young talent's going to leave, and like you said, a lot of uh, uh, good players up for contracts this season. I think. My thing, and I'm with you, of course, you want Locke to win. And I think he is likely to win simply because the team wants him to. It, right. it kind of feels that way. And also, it, it just it, it makes so much less sense to me to go from Bridgewater to Locke than to go from Locke to Bridgewater. Right. You know, if you start Bridgewater week one, doesn't that – I mean, in some ways, that feels like we've given up on Locke. Like uh, – and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bridgewater benched and Locke come in. But if you're, I don't know, benching your young quarterback who hypothetically you passed up Justin Fields for, you know, and, and Mac Jones even, like you have backed this guy. If you're already passing or benching him by week one, what do you think that says, I guess? What do you think it means if Bridgewater wins the competition? Because that's kind of my opinion, but I'm curious to hear what you think. No, I mean, I totally agree. Bridgewater is, to this point in his career, for lack of a better term, he's a safety blanket quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to come out and win you games. He will win. You will win games in spite of him, but he's a he's a reliever almost. He'll come in if a guy's out like Drew Brees in New Orleans. He'll put up the numbers that he needs to with the roster that he has on hand. But he's not he's not a franchise guy. So I completely agree with you on that. And it sets yeah. a bad sentiment to the team. I don't think it would go over well if Bridgewater was a starter week one. Really? What, what if? See, my thing is, I think Bridgewater's been outperforming Locke in camp. So I almost worry more about if you give Locke the week. Sorry, I don't want to influence your answers. I, I, I am curious <laughs> what you think here. What do you, th uh, why do you think it might not go over well with the, with the rest of the team? Well, this team is very outspoken in support of Locke. Locke is a he's a locker room guy. These guys rally behind him regardless of his play on the field. He's a leader regardless of whether he is the guy that we think he is or the guy that we saw last year. These guys rally around him. You know, Shelby Harris has been outspoken in support of him. Von Miller, countless other guys. They like Locke. Yes. The locker room very clearly has a strong um, backing for Locke. And some guys, like you mentioned with Von Miller, you know, that's kind of been their thing during this quarterback carousel. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to Locke. He's being a good teammate. <laughs> yeah. I'm not knocking right. him at all for like doing what he should do, but uh, you got to take that into account. Um, I just uh, uh, interviewed Dalton Reisner on the Mainly Broncos podcast, and he talked about how after the season, he reached out to Locke 
to give him a vote of confidence and has been reaching out to him um, throughout the offseason. J- just to your point, the players, you know, Justin Simmons uh, also has made a lot of public comments in right. support of Locke, you know, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, just all, all over the roster. Um, so I think that's a good point. I guess my thing is with Teddy looking better in camp, and it's not, you know, I, I guess it, it comes down to does what we saw in mini camp carry over to training camp. And, you know, if, if Teddy just waxes the floor with Locke, that's when I think maybe we run into some issues because maybe the guys in the locker room really do love Locke. But at some point, like these guys are all smart and they, they understand football at a really high level. Right. At some point, they're going to be like, oh, maybe, maybe it should be Teddy. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think that could be dicey. But uh, beyond that battle, let's get into the the, the second thing. I want to um, pick your brain about what are what what's one big uh, training camp uh, uh, camp battle you're looking forward to? For me, I haven't really seen anything on it about um, on Twitter or anything or any articles. But for me, the running back running back spot. I really, truly believe that Javante Williams will take the starter position from Melvin Gordon. And Javante Williams is a guy who I had as my number one running back in my pre-draft rankings. One of my favorite players I've ever scouted. He has insane quick area uh, toughness. He wins in the phone booth. And he has the, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, the best balance for any running back I have ever seen at any level. It, it's impressive. Um, I, I remember loving David Montgomery's balance when he was coming out, but yeah, Javante Williams is, is right there, if not even better. And the power and, and tenacity he runs with the effort, I guess is the word I'm looking for is, is also really, really impressive. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious, um, to hear more of your Javante Williams scouting report. I, I think you're part of the, you know, don't take running backs in the first round camp, but yeah. Where did you have him graded? What did you, you know, if you were a GM, would you take him right at that 33 spot? Or what was your, I guess, evaluation of him? Well, if I was a GM, I probably wouldn't take him at that 33 spot. But, you know, there's different strokes for different folks, I guess. But (laughs) talking about the player, I mean, he's just incredible. And I think he fits for what this team may look like. With Locke starting, a sort of defense wins games type of team, a smash mouth football, like early 90s type of football team. I think he fits that perfectly. But back in college, I mean, he was just a big play machine. I think he was, I I believe he was PFF's highest graded college running back over Najee Harris, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He was my highest running back. And he's just, he's incredible to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I think um, probably wouldn't take one at 37 if I'm a GM because I, you know, I, I think you can find a lot of good guys later. But yeah, right. he he is a guy worthy, or maybe not worth whatever. I don't want to get too into the uh, uh, running back debate. <laughs> but to your point, yes, a very 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 talented um, player. And I'm glad to hear you uh, hit on a couple points. One, him beating out Melvin Gordon for the starting job. That's something I've believed, but whenever I put it out there. Everyone's like, no, you're crazy to think that. I, I really think he's going to beat out Melvin Gordon for the starting job sooner rather than later because based on my evaluation, I thought he was a fantastic running back. You think he's a fantastic running back. 
you look at that uh, Broncos documentary series and you had their director of college scouting saying his comparisons for him were Ezekiel Elliott and Nick Chubb. And I'm like, that's a lot better than Melvin Gordon. I understand Melvin Gordon closed the season strong last year, but Javante Williams has the potential of a top five, top 10 running back in football. And I I just feel like that's going to um, play out eventually. So you think he wins the starting job uh, uh, before week one and carries it throughout the rest of the, the season? I do. I think if it's in a vacuum, again, I'm not at training camp. I'm not behind the scenes or anything, so I don't know what's going on. But in a vacuum, if it's just player for player, then Javante Williams will win the starting spot. But there is a lot of money that is owed to Gordon. So I wonder if that's a driving point in him staying the starter. Yeah, you see teams do that often, and I I hate when teams do that. My hope is that George Payton didn't sign that deal, so hopefully he's, you know, right. not as as tied up in it. But we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out. The other thing I was um, happy to hear you hit on was the uh, uh, kind of smash mouth '90s nature that this offense um, could become, because I think that's the ideal vision of this team is to look something like. Uh, uh, what the Titans have done with Tannehill, um, right. you know, obviously different play callers and philosophies and whatnot, but just that like ground and pound and then a lot of play action um, to make the life easier on the quarterback, especially for Locke, who um, improves the, uh, uh, more than everyone, uh, uh, more than anyone else, I guess, rather, uh, uh, between non-play action and play action snaps. Right. Um, what is your... Um, I guess, what what is your vision of that smash mouth Broncos offense? I, I gave you mine, but what's yours? I mean, I completely agree. My vision for it is a play-action zone. And, well, Shermer, is, last year, Shermer was incredibly diverse in his run schemes. We saw him change from a heavily zoned team first half of the year to for really that Miami game. And he really started incorporating some gap schemes, some counters, some power, some pin and pull. But to me... With Javante as the starting running back, I'd like to see a lot of gap scheme play action, you know, bring down the second level key on defenders. Like if this guy drops, throw it behind him. If he stays back, all right, we know we can run the game, run the ball, sorry. Force teams into too high so we can really run the ball because we have the weapons to force teams to be like, hey, we need a guy. We need more than one guy back there, whether it's Hamler, whether it's Judy, whether it's Sutton we have the weapons to make them respect our personnel so they can't key in on the run. And we also have, whether it be Gordon or Javante, I trust both of them to be the the leading runner and force defenses to try and mitigate the pressure of the weapons on the outside. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think that's the uh, goal. And then even Tim Patrick and Noah Fant, Albert Oakway, I'm like, they've got weapons, um, galore to just yeah right. it, it's if they can just figure out quarterback man, this <laughs> yeah would be so it, it's killer because i just uh, beyond them being good uh, of course i want that to happen but it's like i just want to watch fun football and the roster has the potential to be so fun so fun if they could just figure out that quarterback position um the battle i'm really excited for uh honestly was going to be that running back one um, but I think the second one, and it's a little more uh, surface level, 
but it, it, it's surface level for a reason. It's that cornerback battle, um, right. at, at cornerback three, or, you know, however you want to call it, it'll probably be the second outside corner, um, you know, in a, a typical, uh, nickel set, um, Patrick Sertan against Ronald Darby. Um, how do you see that? Uh, what do you think of those two players? And then how do you see it playing out? Well, to start off, Patrick Sertan is might be my favorite draft pick, regardless of the situation surrounding it. I'm not I won't get into that because I'll get worked up. But Patrick Sertan is an incredible football player, the best corner in the draft to me, at least. And he plays the cornerback's position so cerebral. I mean, he, he's a counter puncher. He'll sit back. He'll wait for you to make your first move. And then he'll play off of that. He's conservatively aggressive. That's the way I'll put it. He's a, a fantastic player. And I hope we see as much as we can out of him. Ronald Darby, it's, he's tough to project because really the only good year of his career, I don't want to say good, the only great year of his career was last year. So we don't know if we're getting that again or if we're getting the Ronald Darby of Philadelphia, which was a train wreck. So again, I hope that we see as much as we can of Sertan. There are a little bit, I had questions about scheme fit because Sertan was a, uh, I didn't see much on tape of his off coverage, but the, uh, the tape that I did see off coverage was very encouraging. Yeah, I agreed. He was heavy in that press stuff. And so it was, uh, not so much a doubt that he could do it, but right. more, you know, we haven't seen it in, in high volume. So you do have to wonder some. Um, it, I think you put it well for me. I think uh, I, I think Sertan's the better cornerback and should win the job. But after exactly. Jeff Akuda, I have such a hard time trusting <laughs> cornerbacks because I, yeah. I thought if anyone's going to translate to the program and really all of Last year's class, save for um, Jalen Johnson, who made me feel a little bit better on my Jeff Okuda grade because I, I liked him a lot too. Right. But um, the cornerbacks just struggle as rookies. Um, and, and I think it's understandable uh, uh, to see why you get away with a lot less at the pro game and you know, you're know you going against a lot more talent. But I think Sertan coming from you know that Nick Saban uh, uh, I don't know, tree getting coached by Nick Saban every practice, the, the secondary coaching God, um, yeah. and, and then going against all the talent he went in the SEC. I have, you know, a little more faith in him translating, but I'm curious, what do you think that rookie year impact looks for him? Looks like for him? Well, I mean, you're totally right. The transition for cornerbacks to NFL is one of the hardest transitions of any position there is. But at the same time, in Alabama, he was going against NFL caliber receivers every practice, getting coached by the greatest college football coach of all time. So I think that sort of lessens the pressure of the translation to the pro game. But I think we'll see we'll still see some struggles, especially with the scheme switch, because, he again, he didn't really play as much off coverage in college as he's going to now. Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be the biggest switch for him. Uh, again, like you said, we didn't see much of that at the college game. Um, and then also, I, I think he's going to be in, in zone a lot more, though I haven't, right. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I haven't studied Nick Saban's scheme 
too much, but I believe he he, he actually runs a lot of Fangio's concepts. Yeah. I, you are more into that. Uh, I'm sorry, coaching tree stuff. It is a, a, a <laughs> bit of a blind spot for me. Um, uh, but I was listening to an interview recently, I think with Coach Bass talking about it. Uh, do you know if that's true, if Nick Saban runs a lot of those Fangio concepts? Uh, it's hard to say. They run a lot of a uh, man-match sort of cover seven type of scheme. So it is sort of the same principles, just different shells out of it. Fangio does his – Fangio and Staley do their stuff a little differently than Alabama does theirs. But there is the same principle, like the the man-match sort of scheme to it. Yeah. Okay. But it's, sorry, that's what I want to know. I'm uh yeah, that that's an area I'm trying to grow in, but um not right. not my strongest suit. Um but yeah, I, I think if he's able to translate, he's got the talent and should be able to beat out Ronald Darby for the job. Worst case, I think we could see him used as a, a defensive chess piece. Um Though, again, we haven't seen Fangio do that too much in his career. I think he is willing to adapt um, to the personnel he has. And I think uh, uh, using him, um, you know, we had Von Miller and Justin Simmons and players. uh, I I know those two for sure, but I believe there were even more raving about um, how freakish uh, uh, Sertan's measurables are. I think using him as a, a, a chess piece against someone like a Darren Waller, who the Broncos just haven't been able to find an answer for right. um, throughout their matchups with the Raiders um, or maybe even a Travis Kelsey, though. That's such a, uh, it, both are insane tasks um, for right. a rookie. Um, do you think Sertan could uh, uh, play in that sort of a role or do you think that's just not a natural fit? I definitely think he can. I mean, he has the skill set for it to tr- sort of neutralize the threat of the Kelsey's and the Wallers of the world. I mean, there's no player in the NFL, in my opinion, that can stop them. Your best hope is to slow them down. And I think Sertan, he's got the skill set to do it. I just think he's better served on the outside. Yeah, I I would agree with you there as well. Um, And and I think the great thing is, I I know there's the injury problems. I'm kind of hoping the Broncos re-sign Bryce Callahan, because I think... I agree. Those aside, he has a game that ages well, and he is the best slot corner in football. Or, or I agree. You know, top two or three at, at the very least. He is in a like doesn't get the love he deserves. I think he played, you know, and injuries made it so he he didn't get the honor um, or even really consideration. But I think he should have been in the running for an All Pro spot last year at cornerback. Totally agree. Um, so if you can have him locking down the slot. Um, uh, uh, and Patrick Sertan hopefully eventually develops into your, um, you know, new Akib to leave. You can maybe uh, rebuild some of that no fly zone. Though I hope we do come up with a creative nickname because if it's just no fly zone yeah. two point or some shit like that, I'm gonna be yeah really disappointed. We've had um, like three no fly zones since the original no fly zone. So yeah, and none of them have been good. It's been it's no. been depreciating <laughs> depreciating returns every time. Um, all right. So what is, uh, do you have a second battle you're really excited for? Uh, the interior O-line intrigues me because I do think that the left guard and right guard are solidified in my opinion with Glasgow and Reisner, but with Cush, he had, he struggled hard last season. And, you know, with, with Quinn Miners, everything that I've heard about him is good things. 
because you know trying to get his college film is like trying to get a kidney so i can't really yeah. say much on him i can only speak to what i have heard and what i have heard is he's a terrific football player and i mean i've seen firsthand he's a great person he's a good person to be around from everything i've seen on twitter and everything so that kind of intrigues me but again i don't have that knowledge about it to really know what's going on in there yeah yeah it's it's a good one because we have so little knowledge um right. and i think miners is, is a better fit for this team if it does the the concern with miners for me is you know one I, I don't really know how good of a player he is like you said it's impossible to find his film right. and secondly he hasn't ever really played center before say for the no. senior bowl he was a guard in college and then you know, didn't have the chance to transition because COVID canceled his last season and then, you know, did it at the senior bowl and played it very well. But, um, you know, uh, uh, trying to train to play center at the senior bowl is a lot different than doing it for an NFL team that you're playing, you know, 17 games a year for every year for who knows how long, um, you know, you have to learn the playbook at a much higher level with calls, everything that's a center's responsibility. I think it's fair to wonder if if miners can do that um, and, and how quickly he can pick it up. Uh, it's like it's such a tough one to forecast because I think miners is a better athlete for sure. He is a remarkable athlete for the center position. I think his uh, RAS score is nine point nine something, which means yeah. he's a ninety ninth percentile athlete, and he's. Uh, uh, the clips I have seen, which again are like highlight reel stuff, so yeah. you can't glean too much of it. But the clips I have seen of Whitewater are him dominating people. Like there's, right. I, I think there's reason to be excited about what he could do. You talked about a, a run heavy offense. I think he is a better fit for that style than Lloyd Cushenberry. I really liked Lloyd Cushenberry's ankle or not ankle anchor and pass protect <laughs> coming out <laughs> right. of uh, LSU. Um, but uh, I, I like miners. Well, I, again, it's hard to say, but from what I've seen, I like miners better as a run blocker. And in theory, I like him better as a run blocker. But I wonder if he's um, more for 2022, I guess, is my concern. Right. And I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? You do hit on the just interior offensive line in general, though, which I think is an interesting point. Who do you think the odd man odd man out eventually is? Because you have, um, you know, uh, uh, Reisner. Um, you know, maybe you could play center, but it seems like the Broncos are pretty set at keeping him at guard. Glasgow, and not just for this season, but moving forward, um, you have Reisner, Glasgow, Cushenberry, Miners, and Mooty, and you'd figure. You know, at le- the Broncos are moving on from at least one of those guys in the next two, three years, um, maybe even two of them. So who do you think that odd man out ends up being? That's tough. I think if Cushenberry continues with the play that we saw last year, it very could, very well could be him. It could be Glasgow because of his contract. And if there is a... a emergence from Natane Muti, who I like, and Quinn Miners, you could see Glasgow get expended. But again, that's hard to project 
for uh, 2022. For 2021, I think the offensive line is solidified as for right now, barring injury. But for 2022, I think we're going to see a different offensive line for sure. Yeah, it, it's tough because Glasgow has been a stud and, and had a bad year last year. And so if he can right. rebound, they might not want to move on from him. But at a point, it's like you can save a good bit of money by moving on from him after this season. And you, I guess, hypothetically, we don't know how good Miners is. But I think once he um, adjusts to that NFL level of competition, he'll be a, at least an NFL guard. You know, maybe the the position switch doesn't work out but i think he'd at least be able to to start at guard and make make them think twice about um keeping glasgow and that's also assuming that cushionberry can hold on to his starting job um the second one that interests me is also on the offensive line lots of offensive line talk uh or, or actually i'll i'll no i'll stick with offensive line because i think we can talk about that a little more um who do you think wins uh the right tackle competition Bobby Massey, um, shoot, uh, Cam Fleming, uh, and Calvin Anderson. I think it's going to be Bobby Massey. From what I from what I've heard and from what I've seen on film, it's either going. Yeah, I think it's going to be Massey. I think he's going to hold down the right tackle spot, but I think we're going to see a combination of those three throughout the year. For sure. Whether it be injury or whether it be play, I think we're going to see a, com- a combination of those three or a combination of the two all throughout this year. Yeah, I think that's a, a safe bet. And I'm curious, who are those two for you? Because the two for me, well, give me your two first. The two for me are going to be Fleming and Massey. See, I think. Those two are the established veterans and have been the better players in the career. Absolutely. I think the Broncos and Mike Munchak really like Calvin Anderson. I think they do I could see him, and I think they might have reason to. Like, I honestly don't know. We've seen so little of him. Um, You know, I think he was fine in the Panthers game. Um, You know, nothing to write home about, but – you know, he did do it on very short note, notice, considering that Garrett Bowles got food poisoning the night before. Um, I, I forget the exact specifics on that, but uh, uh, it, it was very short notice, and he, he did a, a fine enough job. So I think that really won the coaching staff over. But, um, yeah, I think Fleming or Massey, I'm not sure which one of them wins out, but I think one of them wins the job, and then Anderson's kind of that next man up. Uh, but – I also agree with your point. I think we see a rotation of all of them. So I'm curious, do you think, you know, whoever the combination at right tackle ends up being, do you think that rotation ends up being better than Elijah Wilkinson and the and the rotation the Broncos have had over the past, you know, year or two at right tackle? I think it will be better, but not by much. I definitely still think that the right tackle is going to be the most glaring weakness on the offensive line in probably the team in my opinion it's a, it's a revolving door right now and was last year but i don't think we're going to get the play that we expect out of it well there there's pretty low expectations anyway so i don't think we're going to get great play either way yeah i i i think that's safe i'm hopeful munchak can do something with anderson because i think right. massey it's it's similar to the quarterback 
um, position where I don't know if I have a ton of faith in um, Anderson, who I guess like he's not in an incumbent at right tackle, but for the sake of the analogy, it, it, he's the guy who's been on the team. He's kind of the incumbent. And, and I'm kind of banking on his untapped potential and hopefully some Mike Munchak development because Massey and Fleming are uh, not great options. They're, you know, right. stop gaps. They're, you know, better than it could have been after Jawan James's uh, Achilles there. But um, yeah, rough, rough spot to be in once again. I will say, I think one of Drew Locke's, well, I don't know. I, I, I kind of take it back. One of his strong suits is avoiding the sack, but he avoids it and then right. worse things. <laughs> so right. it's, it's going to be a, a tough one to compliment there. Um, really quick, let's head into uh, uh, the last thing I want to touch on here. Under the, uh, under the radar players or, or some players you can see uh, uh, surprising the season, maybe coming into uh, bigger roles than we have uh, uh, forecasting now. Well, I mean, the obvious one is probably Judy. So let's just get that out of the way quick, because I think Judy is going to be a top 10 receiver next year. No doubt about it to me. He's my football. favorite player on this. Yeah, football. In football. I think he's going to be a top 10 receiver in football. His right, break that. is incredible. Yeah, break that down for us really quick before you get, because I agree. That one's kind of obvious as a guy who's going to break out this year. But uh, because you are especially high on him, I feel. Uh, uh, break that down for us really quick. Yeah, with Jerry Judy, I think the only glaring weakness in his game is obviously the drops, but that is something that historically has been an issue for rookie receivers and historically has not been an issue after their rookie year. The only other thing I'd say for Judy that is something that we should worry about is a little bit of his press releases. With like when you know when the corner can get a hand on him. Because, you know, Judy, will he is incredible off the line. You cannot get a hand on him. But when defenders do, I think that can really hinder his uh, his momentum and his route running. But he he's he's just incredible when it comes to getting on defenders' toes and working their blind spot and just getting open no matter what. His releases are insane. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. With his drop rate, like you hit on the drops, that's a, a big hole in his game. But his drop rate is lower. Um, I don't have the exact numbers on me right now. Um, but his drop rate uh, using pro football references numbers was lower for most of the season outside of that awful Chargers game where it looked mm. like, you know, he dropped a couple early, got in his head, and it just kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, snowballed from there. That's the, mm. that's the word I'm looking for. Um, outside of that game, the other 15 games of the season, he had a drop rate below league average. Um, even if you include the two extra drops that I counted against the Falcons, it's like slightly worse than league average. And like you said, rookies have often struggled with drops and then corrected that in the future. Um, I think the drop pro drop problem is greatly overrated because it, you know, it did yeah. probably lose them that second chargers game. And if you lose a game on drops, like that doesn't happen often because I think drops are also overrated in terms of their impact on a game, like a drop, a drop sometimes loses a game, a player having a series of drops that lose a team, a game is so rare. And so I think that happened and it happened late in the year 
and it's stuck in people's heads. Outside of that game, like, were the drops, you know, again, it wasn't like he had incredible hands. It was around league average to slightly worse than league average. But um, I don't know. I think, uh, uh, yeah, the the drops problem is overrated. And like you said, it should improve going into a second year. Um, the, the contact stuff uh, is the concern. You know, when people are able to get a hand on him, will he still be able to create that separation? And then can he maybe make some of those tough catches through contact you'll have to make at the next level? Um, I think those are still my remaining concerns. But yeah, separation, when you ask people that are much smarter than myself, you know, that know him at a really high level, they always say that separation is the most important thing for a receiver. And uh, Judy is already elite in that, that yeah. facet. So you you got to feel good about that moving forward. And um, one of the hardest things, not to cut you off, one of the hardest things no, to fine. translate from college to NFL is separation. And like you said, Judy's already elite at that. Yeah, he looked like a veteran last year. At time, like I've never seen someone pull off that uh, uh, hand fake move he did against the Falcons. Like yeah. that was that was next level uh, stuff. Um, but I cut you off originally. Um, who was your, uh, uh, less obvious one than Judy, uh, in terms of under radar, under the radar breakout guys. My less obvious one is probably Albert O. I think what I saw in that new England game encouraged me greatly. I think we're going to get a very athletic tight end who can play off the line. There's some struggles on the line of scrimmage that, you know, would like to be ironed out, but again, Fant had issues on the line of scrimmage as well. And last year he took a great leap in his progression on the line of scrimmage. But yeah, Albert O is just, I think he can be that type of player to Aaron Hernandez to Fant Gronk. I could see that, but it's going to be hard to get the targets in the offense that we're in right now. And I just don't see him getting the opportunity to really break out. But I think if it was in a vacuum, he could definitely be that player for me. His catch radius is massive. He's a giant human being. So you yes. just like it was showcased in the New England game, although he dropped it. It was a back end zone throw that he got up in the air for and got his hands on and should have brought it down. But I think he's just gonna he's gonna be a really good football player. Agreed. And I hope we see the Broncos and it's tough because you've got Pat Shermer, who's not like the most inventive, fluid right. guy. Um uh but I hope we see them willing to use all this personnel you've got because right. they go, you know, four, maybe even five deep um, at receiver. And then you go two deep at tight end um, and you can only get, you know, four of those guys on the field at once. I hope they're willing to use their personnel based on the situation. And Locke and Albert O were a deadly red zone um combination in college yeah and I, I hope that's what we see more of at the next level like imagine a red zone package of you know javante williams or melvin gordon at running back i think they're both you know uh, good in the red zone um and then you've got alberto noah fant uh tim patrick and Cortland sutton on the field like good luck good yeah. luck all those guys can win and and elevate and get those uh uh tough 50 50 catches i think that is a nightmare for defenses and it's kind of why 
And I agree with all the uh, Judy stuff you said, and I think he's going to be a great player. But in the run-up to the draft, when the Broncos had that 15th pick, I was kind of hoping they'd get CeeDee Lamb because I I love the idea of, you know, tripling and quadrupling up on a strength and just going, like, you can't match up with our size in the same way the Chiefs have continued to uh, uh, double and triple up on speed and tell teams you can't match up with our speed. Um, I think the Broncos can kind of do that in, in red zone sets with Alberto. So uh, I'm glad you threw him out. Uh, one for me um, is Justin Sternad. I think mm. it's very easy to forget about this guy. Um, you know, missed all last season, was drafted uh, with a, compens- a compensatory pick at the end of the fifth round last year. Um uh, you know, didn't play his senior season, so injuries are definitely a concern. Um, but I think he is going to find his way into uh, a fairly large role on this team. They keep talking about him as a sub-package linebacker. Mm. Defenses play in some sub-package, right. like the large majority of the time now. I just uh, – Josie Jewell and um, Alexander Johnson, you know what they are. They're more of those uh, – like not to keep using it. And, and Johnson's a little better than this. And I, I don't want to keep using this analogy, but just like Bridgewater guys where it's like, they're right. kind of in the middle of the road and you know what they are at this point. Um, and they're also very similar players. I don't think you need two mics. You need a, a, a will to go with them. And I think Justin Sternad could be that guy. And you look at last year in the weird COVID off season, um, five practices in, you had multiple players, Alexander Johnson being one. Um, shoot, I forget. There was someone else on the, the defensive side of the ball. And then Vic Fangio, who's the linebacker expert, uh, raving about Sternad and how well he was performing. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be preseason. Uh, I could definitely see them cutting Jewel or, or Johnson. Um, I don't know if it'll be preseason or sometime during the season, but I think uh, eventually we see him starting to get the at least the second most snaps out of uh, uh, that inside linebacking room and effectively being that number two to either Johnson or Jewel, whoever the Broncos move on from between those two. Yeah, I mean, we share the same thoughts on that. I want to see more of Justin Stranod. I think he's a great football player. I think he's a good linebacker. Uh, he's really good in coverage. He shows a lot of flashes in coverage. In the run is where it gets a little, you know, muggy there. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to take on blocks. But, I mean, I think he can slide by them, like, you know, wiggle his way around them, shoot through the gap. He's a dis- he's a disruptor in the run game. But I don't think he's going to be taking on many blocks. But, I mean, he's got outstanding range. He can cover uh, – uh, speaking of linebackers in coverage, Fred Warner, who just got that extension, there was a play where he took away – the number three receiver and the number two receiver in the same rep with his range. And I'm not saying that Justin Chenard has that ability to do it in coverage, but he has the ability to do it athletically. He can take away multiple people on the same, in the same concept. It's just a, a whether he gets it in the constructs of a coverage or not. Yeah, I, I think... That's well put. And I think he has that understanding as well. I mean, 
everyone talks about, uh, you know, looking to Lyle Hempel as defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator at Wake Forest. And uh, going back to the Fangio quote, um, I think he's going to understand the game at a very high level early on. And that's kind of why I think he can be it out at Justin Stur- or not a Justin Stur- at Josie Jewell or an Alexander Johnson, because I think he has the uh, uh, IQ to come in and start day one. If, if the Broncos needed him to, um, he is uh, at Wake Forest. He was a can't, uh, Oh my God. I, I keep my tongue so tied right now. Um, at Wake Forest, he was a captain um, and just so instinctive and just always in the right place at the right time. Uh, I think at the very least, he's going to be a big player for the Broncos on special teams. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to add a lot for them in coverage. Like uh, he, you highlighted his athleticism, um, which he, he certainly has. I'm not trying to knock him, but uh, yeah, you know, there's a difference between that and matching up with like Kelsey and Waller. And he, he certainly will st- still struggle in those matchups. I don't want Broncos fans to be like, oh, this guy sucks. He can't cover tight ends while he's getting like, you know, or while he's struggling against Kelsey and Waller. But he's going to be a huge upgrade in those coverage situations over what someone like a Josie Jewell would provide, um, who is just like such a liability. I think Justin Sternad can – Really, that's the one weak spot on this Broncos defense is they have no one um, as it's projected now. They have neither of their linebackers are good in coverage. They're both liabilities. And I think if Justin Sternad can do enough to beat out Josie Jewell um, for that starting spot, he can really uh, uh, shore up that uh, last perceived weakness. Um, so uh, he he's my guy there. Yeah, um, I agree. But, Thank you so much for joining me, Robbie. I'm sorry for uh, my disorganized nature. Um, <laughs> you did a fantastic job. I appreciate uh, getting to steal uh, uh, all this information and knowledge for you, uh, from you, man. Um, uh, uh, why don't you uh, uh, plug and let everyone know where they can uh, follow you and, and find your work at? Yeah, no problem. Again, thanks, thank you for having me on. Everyone can find me at Davis Breakdowns on Twitter. And again, my Substack, where I write blogs about players, schemes, offense, defense, anything, is in the link in my bio. Hell yeah, hell yeah! And is it, I think PFF Robbie is still available. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, but we'll we'll get you sorted out with uh, someone here soon. I have faith in it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, keep up the great work, man. Everyone, I can't recommend following him enough over there. Uh, Even like he has Broncos content up, uh, of course, but even his non-Broncos stuff, um, uh, like breaking down to a tag of Iloa or tongue of Iloa and um, why he's going to break out in 2022. Um, You can learn, I think, so much um, football from reading uh, uh, Robbie's pieces. So make sure you're going over there and following him in a, Thank you so much for uh, joining me, man, and uh, have a great one. No problem. You too. Thank you.